Amen. Amen. How many of you know that this morning that no matter what comes, He is Lord? Right? Amen. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm so excited, glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. Uh, now, if you're, a, if you're a guest of ours, we're excited that you're here as well, and I hope you found a, uh, a, a portion of the bulletin. You can write a little information, let us know a little bit about yourself so we know how to minister to you. Uh, but I do want to tell you, uh, at least as far as the sermon's concerned, you got the B team today. Our, our pastor is away, and so I'll be, I'll be filling in, and I would encourage you to come back. Come back again next week, and so, uh, so you can see what, what we've got to offer. But, um, but at any rate, I want to take this time now, and, and just our, whether you're home folks or, or visitors or, or whoever you may be, to find somebody, shake their hand, hug their neck, whatever you need to do, and let them know that you're excited to see them this morning.
blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending ring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. Will you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Dear Lord, thank you for this day you've given us to come here and worship you. Um, please help all these tithes and offerings to further your kingdom. In your name, amen.
Thank you. Thank you, choir. I want to invite our children to join me on stage here this morning. Oh, sorry. Okay. All right. Well, good morning. Hey, listen, uh, before I came to church this morning, actually, I came to church and pulled in the parking lot, and then I thought, oh, I, I was supposed to go by Frazier's this morning. And so I, I, then I left and went to Frazier's, and, and I got something here. Anybody know what this is? Anybody? Maybe, maybe anybody that's sitting right here close to me? Anybody? What? A sandwich? Maybe a donut. Well, let's open it up and see what we find. Anybody? You see that? What is, what is that? A biscuit? Bread? Really? That's what that is? What if I told you, what if I told you this was butter? What would you think? You, you think I'm a little silly? Uh, but they're right there. What do you see? It's yellow on the inside. What is that? That's butter, yeah. What I have in my hand is butter. Now, would I go around normally and say, look, I've got butter. I'm going to eat some butter. No, most of the time you say something like, I've got a biscuit. It happens to have butter on it, right? But listen, sometimes in the church, we, we do things like that. In fact, it's a, a lot of times we do things like that. What we do is we say we have this great thing that we, that we want to do, some ministry or something we want to do in the church or we want to help somebody or we're planning a mission trip or we're going to go and play upward or we've got a men's event or a women's event or a youth retreat or something that we want to do. And then right at the, you know, maybe right at the end we say, hey, let's put a little prayer on it. Let's squirt a little butter in, in this biscuit. Rather than, rather than, listen, we ought to say that the prayer is the main thing, and then what we do on top of that is, is, is just kind of the extra stuff. Okay, so when, whenever you look at this biscuit, and I know I, I can even smell it. It's cold, and I can smell it, and I still want to eat it. Um, but, but listen, when you look at this biscuit, I want you to see this as a, an analogy. That's a fancy word, an analogy. I want you to think about, man, that biscuit, that's what, we ought to, that's what our prayer life ought to be. And then the things that we go and do, that, that's the, the work we do, that's kind of like the butter. And so it's really important for prayer. Prayer ought to be the main thing. In fact, there was a man who read the Bible an awful lot, and he wrote some books, and his name is, his name is Oswald. Can you say Oswald? Oswald, yeah, yeah. His name was Oswald Chambers, and he said this. He said, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. So listen, look at me. Prayer is a good thing. We should pray when we get up in the mornings. We should pray before we eat our meal, before I eat a biscuit, I ought to pray. We should pray. And, and why, at playtime? Sure. And we can pray at, uh, when we go to bed at night. We can pray all the time. But listen, I don't want us to ever think that prayer is just something we do. I think prayer is the main thing we, we, that, that we do. In the life of a Christian, prayer is so important. Okay? In that regard, why don't we go in to the Lord in prayer right now? Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for these children who are here this morning. Father, I want to thank you for the prayer that uh, the, the prayers we can read in Scripture. And thank you for making a way that we can that we can communicate with you in the simple act of prayer. Help us to never take that for granted. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's continue our singing by standing.
great physician now is near the sympathizing Jesus. He speaks the drooping heart to cheer. Oh, hear the voice of Jesus. Sweetest note in seraph's song, sweetest name on mortal tongue, sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. Your many sins are all forgiven, oh, hear the voice of Jesus. Go on your way in peace to heaven and wear a crown with Sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue, sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. All glory to the dying Lamb, I now believe in Jesus. I love the blessed Savior's name, I love the name of Jesus. Sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue, sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. His name dispels my guilt and fear, no other name but Jesus. Oh, how my soul delights to hear the charming name of Jesus. Sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue, sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. Thank you, Curtis and Ann. I want to ask everyone to just go ahead and be seated this morning. Um, before we get into the the sermon this morning. I, I do want to just take a, a moment. This is a little unusual for us, but I want to take just a moment to talk about uh, some current events. And so, to that regard, I simply want to ask if there is anyone here who is uh, employed by our school system, whether that's, uh, you, you know, whether you're a teacher, whether you work in maintenance, whatever, if you work in the school system, I just would ask if you would mind standing up for just a moment. Um, we're going to have a time of prayer for you in, in here in, in, just a, in just a minute. Uh, if there are any students here, uh, I would ask that you would stand up as well. Um, I want to offer up a, a prayer for you. Now, I, I don't want to get into the, the, the conversation that I'm not equipped to have. Uh, I'm not a security expert. As a pastor, in my view, we simply pray for the heart's who have, been, who have been turned toward evil in our, in our country, around the world. Um, and, we, and we call on the church to go and carry out the gospel, the only thing that can really change people's hearts. Um, and so to that end, I just want to, I want to pray for, with you. If, if you feel led to go and move near someone and put your hand on their shoulder or whatever, you can feel free to do that. Uh, but we're going to offer just a, a, a prayer for, for those of you who work within our school system, who work with our, who work with our children. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father, first of all, I come to you, and not really a surprise to you that the world is sinful. We've known this for quite some time. We don't have to get very far in the, in the book of Genesis to realize that sin is, is all over the place. And Father, evil hearts, well, Lord, they produce evil works. 
But Lord, I want to pray for the protection of our children, for the protection of our teachers, administrators, our school employees. Father, that you put a hedge of protection around them and uh, keep them safe while they're at school. They ought not to have to worry about that kind of thing. They ought to be, the only headaches they ought to get is from, uh, from the exam that may be before them. Father, it breaks my heart. I, I think about the parents who sent their children to school one morning and didn't know that would be the last time that they would see them. And I pray for those families. I pray for those communities that, that, that surround them. God, give them strength. I don't know how that you're glorified in this. Lord, it's not up to me to know how. I just pray that you are honored and glorified, that your name be magnified, even in, even in tragedy. Father, surround them with peace that only you can give. Lord, for those who, those who do act evilly, as a Christian, I'm compelled to pray for their hearts, to pray for their salvation. Because I know I've been forgiven of much. How can I pray that someone else doesn't receive that same grace and mercy? So, Father, work in the hearts of people all across this country. May we honor you and glorify you in everything that we do. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Be seated. We will eventually be in Exodus chapter 25. You can go ahead and turn there if you'd like. But I'll talk to you first about something that when I was, uh, when I was 15 years old, when I was 15 years old, my dad purchased, and, and so I understand, I didn't, have, I didn't really put a dime towards this, but my dad made a purchase on my behalf. He, he paid $500 for it. And listen, even in the middle 90s, $500 was not going to buy you a new truck, okay? He paid $500 for this truck, and it was, it was a beautiful brown and cream-colored truck, two-tone. Uh, I think we have a picture uh, that, 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 you, that you might can see here in just a minute. Yeah, so listen, um, and uh, it, it, was, it was a Dodge pickup truck. Um, one of the first things I did was I pulled the eight-track player out and put a CD player in, and there was a lot of space in the dashboard there between the, um, and so they had a, a CD player in there, but um, probably the the, the best thing that my dad did for me was <laughs> he signed me up. I really can't believe this. Well, I had two, I had two classes of summer school this particular summer. Uh, one was keyboarding. Now, for those of you younger than 25, that's when they actually taught you how to use a computer keyboard. Uh, I don't think they do that anymore. But, and, and I actually used a typewriter. I was the last class ever in my high school to use a typewriter. It was an electric typewriter, but it was a typewriter. And so I, I took keyboarding. But that's, that's another story for another day. Actually, that's about the whole story. So, <clears throat> but this truck, my, my dad signed me up for an auto mechanic shop, and the, the teacher was a friend of ours, his deacon in our church, and was a friend of my dad's, and he convinced him that if I could tear apart the engine, clean everything up, put new gaskets on the, on the engine, and then fire it up in it and drive it home, I could get an A. I'm proud to say I got an A, uh, but uh, it's one of the best things that my dad ever did for me was to make me do that. I had to take every, now, before that, I couldn't tell you the difference in a time and chain and a rod and a, you know, cam, what all that was, but I learned a lot by disassembling it and taking it apart and putting it back together, and I learned a lot about how uh, a car truck runs, 
course, now it's all computerized. And I don't, so I'm not a mechanic. What do you, what do you, what do you expect? But um, today, I want us to do a little bit of like what I did with my truck. I took it apart. And, and today, I want us to walk through the tabernacle together and take it apart, look through it, and see what we might find in the tabernacle and see if we get a little better understanding of what God has ordained for us in the tabernacle. I believe that it's still very pertinent to us today, okay? Uh, and and what, I, what I really hope to see is that as we walk through the tabernacle, I want to see how that affects our prayer life. And I believe if you'll hang with me as we get through all of that, if you've been in reading, in the, if you've been reading along with us in the scriptures on, on, you know, for the uh, Bible reading plan, and you're still with us, then you've been through the tabernacle already. But we're going we're gonna to take it apart together and, and see what's there. Uh, I would ask if you are able to stand as we read God's Word, Exodus chapter 25. I'll be reading from the New American Standard, verses 1 through 8. Exodus 25, 1 through 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. And this is the contribution which you are to raise from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breast, the, the breast piece. And let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. Father, I ask for your presence here today. Thank you for the reading of your word. Bless it. May you dwell among us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to paint a picture for you. Uh, so to get through this, I really want you to envision, imagine you are a Jewish priest living in the time under the old covenant. Uh, so as a Jewish priest, you're responsible you're responsible for making, a, making atonement, for offering the sacrifices on behalf of the people. Now, it's, this, is, this is a pretty daunting task, and you don't want to mess anything up. I mean, so first of all, you got all these people who have sinned and who are counting on you to get it right. Uh, but, but not only that, not only could you mess things up for the people, if you're not right and you enter into the presence of the Lord in an incorrect manner, uh, you, don't, you don't get a do-over. That's it. Uh, you don't have to read very far to see that God takes sin in his presence very seriously. And your life could be over if you haven't set things just right. And so this, not only has it been a part of our reading as we're reading through the, the scriptures together as a church, but not too long ago as we were working on Sunday nights with the students, we got to a portion where we talked about the sanctuary, uh, excuse me, we talked about the tabernacle, and I really talked about how that could help us with our prayer life. And so today, I wanted to just take that and expand it a little bit for us. And it's really, it can be a model for our prayer. Now, that's not just me, just, just conjecture from me. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The prayers of a righteous man avail of much. So how do I make my prayers effective? Well, to find someone who is righteous. That's who I want praying in my life, or righteous people. So the next question, well, what makes a person righteous. How do we find someone who is righteous? 
And, and I find in Psalm 15 this. It says, there's, there's a question. Lord, may I dwell in your sacred tent? May I dwell in your tabernacle? Who may live on the holy mountain? So the question, who, who can be in the tabernacle? And the answer, the one who walk, whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous. The righteous may dwell in the house of the Lord. The righteous is the one who can enter the tabernacle. And it's the righteous whose prayers are very effective. So, without any, any more, let's jump right in and let's look at the tabernacle. And this will stay up for just a, for just a little bit. And so, I know it's hard to see that on, 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 the, on the screen. I, I can share that with you at some point. But this... We will, we will zoom, we'll, we'll zoom in in just a minute. I've got some more pictures of other things as we walk through. But just wanted you to get the overall picture. We've got, we've got the fence or the, the wall that's around it there. And there's a courtyard, and then there's a tent that's, that's, that's the holy place. And inside the tent, we'll get into that too in just a minute. But in verse 8, where we just read, we find the purpose of the tabernacle. Let them construct a sanctuary to me that I may dwell among them. The Lord wants to dwell among his people. And so to do that, he says, let them prepare a sanctuary. And he gives us some very specific instructions to that regard. So the first thing, there's an outer wall here. There's an opening through which to enter into the, and through the outer wall into the courtyard. And so the first, the, the first piece of furniture that we found is an altar of sacrifice. And so we've got a, we've got a picture of what that possibly looked like. It's not an actual photograph, okay? There, there was no... Kodiak back or Kodak back then, and so here. But but what it may have looked like an altar uh, that where it says it shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the doorway of the tent, at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord. I will meet with you and speak to you there. Now, if you have been with us and you've gotten through the first portion of Leviticus, you understand. Like there ought to be maybe there was a flow chart. Like oh my word. So this is the sin you committed, so I need to find this animal and sacrifice it in this manner. But this sin has been committed, I need to find an animal and, and sacrifice it in this manner. And it, the thing is, we have toned down, I think, God a little bit because nobody brought in, nobody brought in an animal this morning and sacrificed it. People that really understand what took place around that altar, I think, I think about farmers I think about hunters, they got a little idea. I mean, it, it, it was a gory, bloody sight. God takes sin seriously. And the blood is, is poured on the altar and the sacrifice is burned. And there's very specific things about what to do with the fat, what to do with the various organs, how to clean it, how to prepare it. And as a priest, you got to get it right. You got to follow the instructions very well, but we need to we need to move on from the altar of sacrifice. So let's go to the next. Ah, this 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 basin that holds the water, a big pot of water. Exodus chapter thirty discusses this, and they talk and he talks specifically in this passage about Aaron, who is is that first priest that will come through, and what this represents. Wash he washes their hands and their feet. So listen, so they will not die. Wash the hands, wash the feet, so they will not die, and it shall be a perpetual statute for them, for Aaron and his descendants throughout their generations. 
as the priests come in, as they prepare, we've just been to the altar of sacrifice. Now we come to this, this big basin of water, and it's used as a, pure, as a symbol of purification, and we wash our hands, and we wash our feet, and we haven't even gotten into the tent yet. We're still in the courtyard, but the next, the next step along the way is to go through the tent, the first curtain there, into the holy place, and inside the holy place, we come across three different pieces of furniture. The first furniture that we might see is the lampstand. Very specific instructions about what the lampstand should look like. As a priest, you're to make sure it's filled every day with freshly pressed olive oil. You're to light the candles there and, and make sure that, they are, that there's enough light in, in the tent so that everything can be seen. At the end of the day, you extinguish the candle. You trim the wick. You've got to do everything just right. As you, as you move maybe across the way, now you come to the table of bread, the, the, the table of showbread, and you've got to make sure that the bread is prepared just right. Do you use yeast? Do you not use yeast? Where, you know, is, is it, how is it stacked up? Or there, there should be 12 pieces of it there. And you've got you to make sure everything is done just as prescribed. Do you eat some of the bread? You better make sure whether you know you can eat some of the bread or not. What do you do with the bread? Do you wave it around? There's, there's the, the, the table of showbread that's there for you. And then there's another altar. You don't put animals on this altar. You put incense on this altar. And so after Aaron trims the lamps at twilight, he will then burn the incense. It says, it says this in Exodus 30. It says, there shall be perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. There's this sweet-smelling aroma that goes up before the Lord. We haven't gotten to the most holy place yet. We're, we're in the tent. But we haven't gotten to the place of God's presence just yet. Even the incense itself, it's in verse, uh, chapter 30 of Exodus, verse 36, says, You shall beat some of it very fine and put part of it in, before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. So not just the incense table, but the incense that goes on the table, there's a certain way that that, that has to be done, and, and there's a certain prescription for that as well. Okay, before we get into the most holy place, there is a veil, and we will revisit these in just a minute. There's a veil. I don't have a picture of what the veil looks like, but there, there is a veil. The veil shall serve for you as a partition between the holy place and the holy of holies. Not everybody can go through the veil. Not everybody can go on the other side of the veil. Only the high priest at certain, at certain times. And he's got to be careful. I didn't even talk about the garments and the vestments that the priests had to wear. But there's certain things you had to wear before you could go and, and offer the sacrifices, before you, could, before you could wash with the water, before you could light the candle, before you could participate with the, the showbread and the altar of incense. Certain vestments you had to put on. Before you go through the veil. But on the other side of the veil, we have this. The Ark of the Covenant. Listen to Exodus 25, 22. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the sons of Israel. There, on the ark, the mercy seat, between the cherubim, there is where my presence will be. I will meet with you there says the Lord. And there's more blood that's poured out on the mercy seat 
there's more blood that is poured out around the altar. There's more blood that, is, that has been shed that goes near the ark. In chapter 30 of Exodus, everything's been built at this point. Everything's been built and it's not quite ready. Because the Lord said, well, there's some more. There's the anointing oil. There's the anointing oil. You've got to take this and you've got to anoint everything. I mean, he lays it out. Anoint the tent of meeting. Anoint the ark of the testimony. Anoint all the utensils, the lampstand and its utensils. The altar of the incense and the altar of uh, burnt offering and its utensils. Anoint everything. You'll consecrate them. And they'll be made most holy. Anoint the priest. That they may be holy. That they may minister as priest to me. And I got to think, Moses, for the first time, he's putting all this together. And he and, and the people are, are putting things where, where they should be. Chapter 40 of Exodus, at the end there it says, Thus Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Filled the tabernacle, excuse me. I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. And I didn't actually do it. I just read through it. I mean, my word. But God takes sin seriously. In His presence, there is holiness. And that doesn't really even account for all the various sacrifices. I touched on that a little bit, but there are other sacrifices. But what does all this mean? What does all this really mean for us today in the, in the New Testament, under the New Covenant? Well, first of all, the word tabernacle, so the word tabernacle can be translated, it's, it's mishkan in, in Hebrew, the word mishkan. It can be, it can be translated to be a, a, uh, a dwelling place, a tabernacle, sometimes it's, it's used as the word sanctuary, in that, in that sense it's a noun, but that noun comes actually from a, a root word, it's a, it's a verb, it means to settle or to dwell or to stay, to inhabit, to, to live, and so the verb is actually used in Exodus 25, 8, and, uh, excuse me, yeah, and then, and then the noun in 25.9, it says, I will come and live in or dwell in the tabernacle. We can say, I will come and tabernacle in the tabernacle. We say that a lot of times in English. We say we are housed in a, in a house or in housing. So this is it's something that God does, and it's a place where he is, the tabernacle. And to approach the tabernacle, listen, to approach the tabernacle, to enter through the tabernacle, to pass through the veil into the very presence of God, you stop and think about it for a minute you ought to have goosebumps on your arms that I, I imagine the priest the, the hair on the neck stood up a little bit as they began to pull the curtain back because they're going into the presence of a holy God and I think is it a little bit like this or should it be when we go to the Lord in prayer when we come before him and worship together because essentially prayer is us walking through the veil into the presence of God. It's the presentation of ourself before the Lord. And how dare we take it casually? Who are you? Who am I to go into the presence of the Almighty God of Israel? The holy, righteous God of Israel. Moses, remove your shoes before you come any closer. Aaron's sons didn't do what was right and they were dead. 
The wrong man touches the ark and he's dead. Isaiah saw the Lord in a dream and fell down face on his face. Who are you and I that we go into the presence of the Lord just casually and flippantly? I'm nobody. I'm not in the line of priests of, of Aaron. Did anybody do anything like that this morning? Did you put some blood on your toe, your thumb, and your ear before you came in here? But the truth is, the truth is, for those of us who are in Christ, not only do we get to go before the Holy God, we get to go before our Father. In the book of Hebrews, it says that we can actually enter into His presence with boldness, that we come before the throne. Why was that? Why was the Sanhedrin so upset with Jesus? This may have a little to do with it. We've been doing this for thousands of years. You're telling us that we don't have to do this anymore? If you'll bear with me, I want to take another walk through the tabernacle. We don't have to put up all the different furnitures. We can just leave that picture there. But another quick walk through the tabernacle, but this time with the lens of the new covenant. The, the first thing you do is go through that gate or the door. In the book of John, Jesus says, I am the gate. Then we approach the altar of sacrifice. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hebrews 10, 19 says, We have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Then we go, into, we go to the water cistern, the, the, the big pot of water there. In Hebrews 10, 22, we can approach the throne because of Jesus having our hearts sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with pure water. As we enter into the holy place, there's the lampstand there. John 1, 4 through 5. In him was life, and the, the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. And then in Revelation, yet to come, what we will see one day for those of us who are in Christ. Revelation 21, 23 says, And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. The glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. Let's keep going. The, 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 the uh, showbread, the table there. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I will give the life of the, of the world, is my flesh. The altar of incense. The altar of incense can, can be seen as a picture of the intercession of Christ on, on, on our behalf. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus makes intercession for us. Then there's the veil. Matthew 25, 50 and 51 says this, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. This is while he's on the cross. And Jesus cried out again in a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And then we look, as we go beyond the veil to the mercy seat, and I love this, maybe my favorite picture in all of this. In John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. If you've not read this, Go read it. In the Gospel of John chapter 20, 11 and 12, on resurrection morning, we find this. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stood and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laying. You see, Jesus' body himself was laying there. I don't think it's an accident that there were two angels, one on one end and one on the other, because for several thousand years that had been the place in the ark where the mercy seat of God was, was right there, two angels overlooking where the blood was, was, was poured out for us. Okay, 
Sorry, I'm getting a little excited. But not only that, the priest that goes in and on our behalf, the great high priest in the book of Hebrews, according to multiple places in, in, in Hebrews, it's Jesus. He's the one that's preparing all of this for us and has done so. Jesus is the sacrifice which atones for our sin. Jesus is the one who cleanses us, making, uh, making the unclean clean. He's the light of the world and the bread of life. Jesus intercedes for you and me so that our prayers are a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. It is in Jesus' name that we offer our prayers. His death has torn the veil, opening the way into God's presence. It is His blood which is poured out on the mercy seat. He's the one who upholds the covenant, and He's the priest who performs all of these actions, not in a tabernacle made by the hands of man, but in a tabernacle in the heavens. And now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, forever enthroned as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our great high priest. All of this, all of this, so that you and I may approach the throne of grace with confidence to the glory of God the Father. May we never take it lightly when we go into the presence of God. And I wonder, I just wonder what would happen to our prayers. How would it affect our worship if we thought about entering into God's presence as the priest would go through the tabernacle? Would it make a difference? Would it make a difference in our prayer life? I want to ask Ann to come, and she's going to just play. We're not going to sing just yet, but I want us to end a little differently today. I want us to spend some time in prayer. Where is it that you need to focus this morning? Do you need to recognize the sacrifice of the Lamb of God? You know, listen, just this past week, we even had a couple of phone calls, people asking if, we could have, if they could have a spot, if we still had openings in upward uh, flag football. The answer is no. Okay, there's a deadline for that. Here's, here, listen, there's a deadline for calling on the name of the Lord. There will come a day when you'll call on his name, and he'll say, depart from me. I don't know who you are. But today, right now, if you can hear my voice, you can call on the name of the Lord. Do you need to be there, that, that sacrificial lamb? Or maybe you're full of guilt from past sins and you just need to be washed clean. Do you know that Jesus is enough? He's the bread of life. He'll sustain you. Do you simply need to rest in the presence of your Father this morning? And so I want to ask you right now, if you're able, I'd love for you to get on your knees. You can... Turn around and kneel before your chair there. I know it's a little unorthodox, but if you know me, you know that's not, that, that, that doesn't bother me. Um, get on your knees in prayer. The altar will be open here as well. If you want someone to pray with, I'll be available to you. But let's spend a little bit of time in prayer this morning. Would you pray?
words of Jesus, that your house will be known as a house of prayer. There are prayers being offered up all over this room today. I pray that it is a sweet-smelling aroma to you. Father, if there's anyone here today that they've never come to saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ, my prayer first and foremost is they would be able to understand the freedom, the hope, the joy that comes knowing Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for Jesus and all that he's done for us. May you honor the prayers of your people this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can continue praying right where you are, whatever you need to do. We are going to sing just a couple of, couple of lines here as we get ready. Um, anyone needs to make a decision, you want to talk to me about joining the church, about what it means to become a Christian, you can come and, and talk. Um, but let's stand and, and sing together. I need thee every you were here with us this morning, and it, it's, it's not a tabernacle, it's a church. We live in a New Testament, uh, and I'm thankful for that, thankful for Jesus. Amen? <clears throat> Pay attention to your bulletin. There are no activities here tonight, uh, no activities Wednesday, including no choir practice, right? Okay, all right, uh, but we will resume our normal schedule on Sunday of next week, so, um, and Continue to pray for our children, our schools. Don't let that slip your mind. All right. Kevin, if you don't mind, come and lead us in a word of prayer. 